Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word church, um, but I have a feeling it's a lot different than what that word represented from the, for the first century Christ followers. Um, because we've got all kinds of different ideas about what church is. And um, if you were raised in the church, because I was, you know, for me, growing up as a kid in church, church meant having to dress up, having to sit still and be quiet and listen to some guy up front talk for what seemed like forever about stuff I didn't understand. (laughs) Maybe that's still your experience. I don't know. But... um, (laughs) But that's what church kind of meant for me growing up, and except, except if I sat with grandma. If I sat with grandma, church was butter rum lifesavers and Crayola crayons. <laughs> grandma came prepared, okay? She was really, really wise. Um, I have from time to time um, invited friends you know, to come and join us on a weekend and experience what we share together as church. And, um, and often I will get, from time to time, I'll get this response, oh, no, 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 you don't want me in church. If I walk through the doors of your church, the walls would come tumbling down, which means to me that they think church is about shoddy workmanship and inferior building materials, okay? <laughs> I don't know, but, but so often when we think about church, we think about a place or, or, or a building or, or programs or, or an institution of some sort, and that's not the church, and, and what we're talking about is not about going to church, it's about being to church. That's what this whole series is about, and we're, we're doing this. We're going through and studying together from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a local church in a city called Ephesus. And, um, and it was a church that he had been a part of starting. Um, and now he's been away. Actually, he's been under arrest now. He's writing this letter to them from prison, and he's encouraging them, and he's talking to them about who they are and what they're about. And, and we looked at it last week, that, that, that when you put your life in Christ, you become a part of something much bigger than yourself, that you become a part of his family, his church, and that's something bigger than yourself. And when you do that, um, some things change. You, you, you were given a new identity. And then you are also given a new community, a new family, and a new sense of purpose. And so that was just kind of the introduction. It was actually the first half of the introduction to this letter. Today we're going to look at the second half of that introduction because he takes that idea and he says, now, here's some things. Here's where we're going to go with that. Once you understand that, here's where we're going with it. So if you want to follow along, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 15. And so Paul writes again, Remembering that now you are in Christ, and because of that, you've been given a new identity. You have this new community. You have this new sense of purpose. Then he goes on. He says, so for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul says the church is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That you and I gather together as his church. We are the tangible expression. We are the embodiment, if you will, of Christ in this world. That he began that work and finished it on the cross. And then he entrusted that message and that that work now into our hands. We are now the physical representation of Christ in this world. And how we live matters. And what we do together as a church family matters because we are now in Christ. And now our job is to make him known in this world. And he says that we should do this with boldness. Because he's given us this great power. So we should do this with boldness. Now when I say the word boldness, I'm not talking about being obnoxious or offensive or insensitive or judgmental. When I'm talking about boldness, I'm talking about confidence. Having a confidence about your faith, having a confidence about your life, having a confidence about your mission and your purpose in this world. And Paul puts all of that in the form of a prayer. But there's a a two-part to the prayer. His prayer is that they would be enlightened, that they would have wisdom and understanding, that the Spirit of God would would so empower them and so um, infuse them with this level of understanding that it would make a difference in his life. And so he uses this other term. Last, Last week we looked at the term in Christ. This week it's all about so that. So that, there he prays these things for them so that they would be able to live a different way. And so what we're going to look at is this idea of so that. And what I've done is I've kind of put, broke it down into three different so, so that's. I can't even say it. Three different so that's. And, and, and what I did was actually they all begin with C. Because that's what preachers do, okay? We just you can find it, make it rhyme, or you know, somehow so people can remember, okay? So uh, I hope you appreciate all the effort that I put into coming up with C's for this thing. Um, but the idea is, when all of this is, what I want you to do, what I hope that you would do, is identify one C that is yours. Because at the end, what I'm going to ask you to do to make a decision about that C. Because sometimes we get like all this information and we don't even know where to start. We go, yeah, I'm going to do that, but then we do nothing. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just think about which of these C's is yours. And then make a decision to move forward in that. So that the church might be bold. I've had so many conversations with pastors or, or with church leaders that right now, there, I've, there's so many churches that I know of that are going through such difficult times and churches are falling apart and churches are breaking up and churches are just dwindling away. And I think what it comes down to is that when we lose our sense of identity and we lose our sense of purpose and the church just becomes a gathering place for an hour on a weekend, it starts, it starts to die. And a church is only as bold and is only as confident and only as strong as each of the individual members live in that boldness and live in that confidence. So that's why it's going to be really important for us together as a church and for you individually. Pick your C and then make a decision to move forward in that. So here's the first one. First one is deepen your connection. Deepen your connection with God. He prays, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, there it is, so that you might know him better. 
This is what I, what I want is, what I, what I pray is that, 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 that his spirit would so enlighten you that you would, you would pursue that relationship with him, that you would come to know him better. And we all know there's a big difference between knowing about someone and really knowing them. There's a big, big difference. Give you an example. Uh, back in 1989, when our kids were little, um, my wife and I, we decided, we, we actually took our kids along with Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and their families to Disney on Ice. Of course, he went through a different, they went through a different entrance than we did, and they sat front row center ice while we were up in the nosebleed sections, okay? But I did wave to them in the parking lot as we were leaving, okay? There's a big difference between knowing about Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and really knowing them and going to Disney on ice with them. It's a huge difference. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing him. And, and what Paul is praying is, I pray that you would realize the depth of his love for you. Pray that you would realize all that he has for you. So that in understanding that, you would get to know him better. That getting to know God, what he's pointing out, it's, it's a partnership. That God is at work, but we respond to his work. God speaks, and, and, and I trust. God reveals himself, and, 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 and I believe. Um, his spirit prompts me, and, and, and I obey. That God is constantly working, God is constantly speaking, and, and there is response from us to him. And I think the biggest thing, that, the biggest reason that we miss that so often, because God is constantly speaking, God is constantly revealing himself, God is constantly working in our lives, and the reason we miss it the most is we're just too busy. We got so much else going on. Our lives is full of hurry. Um, John Orprick tells a story about when he was at a particular point in his life and just knowing that he needed deepening his, in his relationship with God. And he went to his spiritual mentor, um, Dallas Willard. And, and, he, and he went to him and he says, what can I do? Because he, he really looked up to Dallas as, as, as someone who just had a deep relationship with God. He said, how do, I, how do I experience that? How do I have that kind of a relationship with God? And Dallas said to him, it's this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so he said, he got out his pen and he wrote it down real fast. He said, hey, okay, that's a good one. What else do I need? <laughs> he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The greatest threat to your spiritual life is hurry. And for some of you, your C, your C is to be intentional about deepening your relationship with God. Because honestly, if you were honest with yourself, if you were honest with God, it's pretty casual. It has to fit your schedule. If it's convenient, if I have time for it, then I'll spend some time with God. And maybe for you, your see is simply this, becoming more intentional and purposeful in your pursuit of your relationship with God. 39 years ago, I decided that I wanted to have a deeper relationship with this beautiful woman named Betty. So I made a decision, and I made a vow and on that day in front of our friends and family, I made this vow that I wanted to know her better, that I was giving her my life. And she made that vow back to me. Now, that was a very important step in our relationship. It provided the basis and the foundation for what would follow. But if all I did was stand up on one Saturday afternoon and say those words and do nothing more, I would not have a deeper relationship with her today. When I said those words, I wanted to get to know her better. And, and I found out a lot about her that I didn't know before we got married. <laughs> Worse, 
She found out a lot more about me that she didn't know before we got married. But over the last 39 years, we have had to take time to nurture that relationship. We have had to be intentional about that. That we have had to work through some stuff and work together on some stuff to be able to have the relationship that we have 39 years later. And for some of you, that's your seed. You just got to get a little bit more intentional. In fact, you got to get a lot more intentional. And that your relationship with God has not got to fit your schedule or when it's convenient for you or when you have the time or when you think about it. It means being intentional and purposeful and bold in your pursuit of God. That's Paul's prayer for these people. He spent two years. This is the only, Ephesus was the only city that he spent any extended length of time. Most times he went in, started a church, got it planted, got up and running, and then he moved on to another city. But in Ephesus, he actually spent at least two years, probably more than two years. But now it is years later, maybe five, ten years later, and he's, he's writing from prison. But he writes these words. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's saying, I was there. I spent two years with you. I've been gone, but I hear word that you you are still growing. You are still learning. You are still sharing that faith. You are still becoming a church. And he says, "I I just want to encourage you, keep going. I pray that you keep going. Don't stop. Don't ever get to the point where you think you've arrived. Keep going. That's my prayer for you. Maybe that's your seat. Maybe that's your seat. Maybe it's this one. To embrace your calling. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. Now, The idea of calling runs all throughout Scripture, from Abraham to Moses and on and on and on. You see, God calling people. But the idea of calling had two parts to it. Part of it was being, being with God, being one of his. But the second part of it had to do with doing. When Jesus called his disciples, it wasn't just about to be a part of an exclusive club. He called them and spent these years with them and then called them to go and share that message with others. There is the being part, but there's also the doing part to us. When I was um, in college, and, and I first started, it was my first year in, um, in, in uh, Simpson College, and, and I, it was a, a Christian liberal arts college, and I was, I was considering this idea of going into pastoral ministry. And, and, but the whole thing that I always wrestled with was, how do I know if I'm called? I like it. I enjoy it. I can't think of what I would else I would want to do with my life. But I, there was always this idea that you had to be called. And um, my first year New Testament Greek class, it was a very small class, um, but at Christmas, um, he had the members of the class over for his house during the Christmas break just for a, a Christmas party. And we were all sitting around and we were talking about this whole idea and that kind of became the subject of conversation. How do you know if you're called to the ministry? And I remember asking that question and everybody kind of giving their ideas and, and I remember my uh, New Testament Greek professor, he said, I, don't, I can't answer that for you, but I will tell you this, that if God has called you, you will know it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was hoping for some like voice from God, you know, flash of lightning, something like that. But the idea behind that was that, that it's, not, it's not this big voice from God. It's more of an unfolding and following idea. 
what I've come since to realize, because I think sometimes we start thinking of calling, that's for, that's for certain segments of people. Calling is for pastors. You, you, you're called to be a pastor. You're called to be a missionary. I've changed my thinking on all of that. I believe we are all called. We all have a calling. In fact, in fact, because I did pay attention in New Testament Greek class, the Greek word for church, the word that's translated church in your Bible into English, is actually a two-part word. The first part is a, a prefix called ek, and it means out or out of, like the exit of these, this building, okay? That's, that's that prefix, ex. And then the second half from, comes from a verb kaleo, which means to call. So the church is those who are called out to fulfill God's purposes in this world, which means you have a calling. I have a calling. Every one of us in this room have a calling. When we separate it out and we think that it's, that it's just for a certain segment of people, what we end up doing is we end up divorcing uh, um, our spirituality from the rest of our lives. And he says, no, 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 it's all integrated. You have a calling. It says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the called ones, the church, which is his body. You have a calling. Each and every one of us, you have a calling. You have a unique part in God's work in this world. Some of us are a little more unique than others, but every one of us play a unique role in what God is doing in this world. See, that's what Paul is saying with this, this, this idea of the church, that it's a big deal. It's what God is doing in this world. And you and I all have a part in that. And calling, calling is simply enjoining in God's work wherever you're at. It's really simply that. That wherever you are at, with whatever skills, with whatever giftings, whatever abilities, whatever experiences, whatever interests that you have, that is all a part of how God has shaped your life and given you this calling. Wherever you are at. So, so if you are a dentist, you are first and foremost in Christ. That's your identity. And so in Christ, now you are his, representa- rep- his representation in that dental office. If you are a carpenter, You are first and foremost in Christ, and now you use your skills as a representative of Christ on that job. If you are a mom, a stay-at-home mom raising children, then you are an example and a representative of Christ to your children. If you are a lawyer, well, good luck with that. (laughs) My brother-in-law is a lawyer, and I ask him, how can you be a Christ follower and a lawyer at the same time? I don't know how that works. But, but the truth is, wherever you are at, you have a calling. You are a part of what God is doing in this world. And so embrace it with boldness. Embrace it with boldness. See, it, really what it comes down to, it's living to an audience of one. That, that, that's really what it's all about. The trouble is, we are so consumed about the approval of those around us. We are so worried about what other people think about us that we forget that we live to an audience of one. And we're so, we're so worried about that we might... People might think we're weird if we stand up for Christ, or people might think we're, 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 we're some strange group of people because I'm a Christ follower. And, and when we're so worried about what other people think, when what really matters is that I'm using my gifts and my talents in a way that honors him and brings glory to him and, and proclaims his grace to this world. But we are so consumed with what other people think. I thought about this this week. 
Um, a couple of years ago, because I just realized that my life had gotten a little too sedentary, and I just needed to start doing some exercise on a regular basis. So a number of years ago now, I took up running. Not because I love it. I actually hate it. But I have to do something. And so I took up running. So that's what I do in the morning. And, and I usually get up, and I don't, not every day. Not every day. Um, in fact, I go for long stretches without doing it. Um, but I, I usually do it in the morning. I get up early, um, you know, usually 5.15, 5.30, a kind of an early riser, put my shoes on, get all dressed up, and I go out and I run. Okay? So there, I live, our house is on a cul-de-sac that's kind of halfway up a hill. So there's two routes that I can take when I run in the morning. One is I can start uphill and get the hard part over with, get up to kind of a level spot, run around around the streets up there, and then finish on a downhill, you know, just kind of ease back in, all right? But there's another route that I run sometimes, and that starts downhill, and then I get to kind of a level spot, run around there, but then the run up the hill is really, really tough. So this week on Friday... Uh, I said, okay, I hadn't run actually in over a week. And I said, okay, I've got I've to get back into it. So I dragged myself out of bed. I got dressed, and I just thought, okay, I'm going to start with the downhill because I need a little momentum getting back into this, okay? So I got, up, got dressed, got up, started my run, started down the hill, got to the level part. Everything's going fine. I put in my two miles. I got to the uphill part, and I was just exhausted. So I just walked. And I just, you know, I had my headphones on, and I took my, you know, my armband iPhone case off, and I'm just holding it. I'm just kind of trudging up the hill. And as I'm walking up the hill to my house, I see some headlights coming down the road. And somebody's, the car's driving down the street. So it's like, oh, man, I got to start running again, you know? <laughs> so I start running, and the car drives on by, and it drives by, and I start walking again. And then wouldn't you know it, another set of headlights starts coming down the hill. So I got to start running again up the hill, because I don't want anybody to think that I'm a walker. I'm a runner, Okay. <laughs> And it dawned on me. I have no idea who's driving that car. They have no idea who I am. Why do I care whether they think I'm a walker or a runner? But there's something in all of us that we just, we, we, we care too much about what other people think. And sometimes that keeps us from embracing our calling. Maybe, maybe that's your seat. To have greater boldness in your calling. To understand that God has uniquely shaped and gifted you for a purpose. And you're his representative on your job, in your neighborhood, in your school, wherever it might be. And maybe that's the C for you. The last one is this. Strengthen your confidence. Strengthening your confidence. Because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, what that means is there is way more inside of you than you could possibly imagine. There is way more inside of you than you can imagine. Back in August, we had the opportunity to be a host site for the Global Leadership Summit. It's a, it's a, actually, it's a worldwide thing that is put on by Willow Creek Community Church back in South Barrington, Illinois. And we were one of the video venues. And so we had a chance. And they bring in leader, people in leadership from all kinds of different aspects, church leaders, business leaders. And, and it's just a really, it's an inspiring, it's a great, great um, opportunity. And the last speaker in this whole thing was a guy by the name of Craig Groeschel. Craig Groeschel is a pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma. And it's an incredible church, and, it, and they've started something. They were the first ones to do, in fact, they have a website, it's lifechurch.tv. 
and, and most of their church is not even in Oklahoma. It's just spread out all over the place. And, and they've used the internet to, to further the kingdom of God through churches. And, and by the way, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, that came out of their church, okay? It's just innovative, just the thinking out of the box kind of a thing. That's the kind of church that he pastors. And, and, and he is a, definitely a type A personality. And he told the story. He was, the, one of the, he was the last speaker. And he told the story about being at a camp with his family, and uh, he and another guy were doing the, were the speakers at this camp. And the other guy, um, they, were, they were hanging out at the pool. And he said, hey, Groeschel, I bet you can't keep your, your breath, hold your breath underwater for a minute. And if you know anything about Craig Groeschel, that's like a personal challenge. Oh, I'll prove you wrong, you know. So he says, yeah, so he said, no, I'm going to do it. So, um, so he said, OK, he got his watch out. And uh, Groeschel got in the water. And he just went underwater. And he said, First 15 seconds were a breeze. 20 seconds, not a problem. 30 seconds, started to feel a little anxious. 45 seconds, he was sure he was going to drown. But he made it all the way through. One minute, he burst through the surface. Yeah, I did it. And then the guy said to him, you know what? I bet you could do two minutes. He said, two minutes? I just about drowned in one minute. And he goes, no, 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 no. He says, here's the problem. Your brain is not aware of what your body can handle. There is more in you than you can imagine. So here's what you do. You take four deep breaths. Expand your capacity. Expand your lungs. Just take four really big breaths. So he did. So he, he said, okay, I'll give it a try. So he, you know, just expanded. Four deep breaths. Boom, underwater. And the guy's keeping time. And he goes, okay, all right, you're at a minute. You've already beat your old record, okay? Don't you come up. There's more in you. Minute 15, don't you come up, there's way more in you. Minute 30, don't you come up, there's way more in you. Minute 45, don't you come up, don't you come up, don't you dare come up, there's way more in you. Made it all the way to two minutes, came out of the surface, cheered for him, he says, actually, you were under for two minutes and 45 seconds. He had lied to him. (laughs) But he said what the realization was, and actually, he says, now he's worked on it. He's up to four minutes, over four minutes. So that's Craig Rochelle. I'm not even going to try that. But here's the idea. That's physically. Now, Christ is in you, and you are in him. And because of that, there is way more in you than you can possibly imagine. Not your own confidence, but confidence in the one who is in you. Paul wrote, that power, that power that I pray for you, I pray, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. What that means is there is nothing that you are facing right now that is bigger than God. And because he is in you, There is more in you than you can possibly imagine. And for some of you, for some of you, the big, big C for you is just having a greater confidence that God who is with you is greater than whatever you might be facing. So be bold. 
Be bold. Be bold in, 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 your, in your family. Be bold in your neighborhood. Be bold in your school. Be bold on the job. Be bold in love. Be bold in forgiveness. Be bold in the power of Christ who is in you. And no matter what you are facing or what your struggles are, how overwhelming it might be or how defeated you might be feeling or what you might be struggling with or even if you have failed because of Christ there is more in you than you can imagine and there is enough strength to go on there is enough strength to get started all over again there is enough strength and enough power in you because Christ is in you and if we had the time I could sit down and talk to you over the last 25 years of the life of this church from the very beginnings in our living room to where we are today and the number of times when I felt so overwhelmed, the number of times that I felt so discouraged, the number of times I felt defeated, the number of times my prayer was, God, I can't do this anymore. The number of times that I thought, maybe it's time to just quit and let somebody else take it from here because I can't go any further. And in those moments, in those moments, the one thing, the one thing that just kept coming back to me is, God, this is your church. And these are your people. And you are far, far stronger than I'm feeling in my weakest night, night right now. And that is what I'm hanging on to. That is what I'm hanging on to. And as I've been thinking about that this week and praying about that, really, this prayer became my prayer for our church, for where we are at right now and the challenges that we are facing and and the things that lie ahead of us that we don't even know about right now. This is my prayer for you and for me and us as a church family, as the body of Christ, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know him better and that he would enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we would know the hope to which he has called us, that glorious inheritance that he has in us and the power that is his power of his resurrection, the power that he used to raise Christ from the dead, that power in you, in me, in us. God, may that be our prayer. Because he says, it is the church that is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Would you bow your heads with me? The church, you and I, gathered together. We are the body of Christ. We all play a different place We all have our unique assignments. But we are a part of what God is doing in this world. And we need to do it with boldness. So I told you at the beginning, this is the questions I have for you. Which one of those C's is yours? Because I want to pray specifically for each of those. Maybe for you, it's deepening your connection with God. That if you were honest with yourself and honest with God, you would say, my relationship with God is pretty on again, off again. And it really kind of revolves around my schedule and when it's convenient for me. But I'm going to make a decision to be more intentional, more purposeful, to engage in activities and engage in some disciplines that will deepen my understanding and my knowledge of Him. I want to know Him better. And if that's your prayer today, 
Would you just raise your hand and hold it up so I can pray for you? Maybe for some of you, that's a first-time decision. Maybe, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe for you, this is the first time you've decided, I'm going to pursue a relationship with God. He loves you so much, he gave his one and only son who gave his life on a cross so that you could know him. So Lord, I pray for those who raise their hands right now. They're saying, God, I want to deepen my relationship. I want to know you more. I want to know you better. And I've been pretty casual about this whole thing. But today, today I want to take that step. I'm making that vow. And I'm going to nurture my relationship with you. Some of you, for some of you, it's about embracing your calling. And you say, I want to be more intentional about fulfilling God's purpose in my life wherever I'm at. I want to live for that audience of one. Not caring so much about what other people are thinking, but but living to honor him. Being bold for him. And that's your prayer. That's your C today. Same thing, would you raise your hand? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Lord, I pray for these raising their hands right now that they would find that you are speaking in them and through them right where they're at, in their neighborhood, on their job, in their, in their school, wherever it might be. God, may they live for that audience of one and may they find, may they find your power at work in them, using them as an instrument of your peace and as your grace wherever they're at. Maybe for you, maybe for you it's just standing with greater confidence, not in your own self-confidence, but in confidence that God is with you in whatever you're facing, he's bigger than that. And that's yours. Same thing, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. All right. So Lord, pray for these who are raising their hands right now, that they would find in you a greater confidence, that whatever they are facing, whatever discouragements, whatever challenges, whatever failures they might be feeling today, that they would know that they are in you and you are in them and there is far more in them because of that than they can possibly imagine and that you are greater than whatever, whatever they are facing right now. And give them that sense of your strength and your confidence and your power to push right through. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.